Hello, and welcome to The Lion's Den, a conversational show from Aslan's Place Ministry. I'm your host, Brian Cox. In this episode, Paul, Barbara, and I discuss ways deception prevents us from recognizing God's truth and His blessings. We also discuss Bible verses and prayer resources that are helpful when seeking to break free from deception. So with that, let's enter the lion's den. Dad, we have been talking about Malachi 3, and you've been sharing some revelation in our last episode. You also shared some prophetic words along the lines that seem to be tying into the unfolding revelation. We also pointed out last time that one of our goals for our Lion's Den episodes are to share the latest things we're discovering, but then not necessarily having all the answers or the application to what this revelation is. And so with this episode today, everyone who's listening or watching live, we invite you to let us know. And anytime, if you have any thoughts, questions, or insights on what we're sharing, and if this is on the recording, then email those into office at aslansplace.com. So, Dad, let's go ahead and, and pick up for where you'd like to go. Well, as we were sharing the last two episodes, I've been talking about my dream that I had my first prophetic dream, and I thought it was mirrors. And then I realized that the healing actually took place when the mirrors became windows. And so... In between our last podcast and this one, our friend Persis Tyner emailed me and she said, I think it was on the 16th of November, she said, all I think, as I think, pray about you, I keep hearing mirrors, 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 don't know if it has any significance. And she said, have a great day, Persis. So I thought, well, maybe I should do a search on mirrors, and I was really quite surprised uh, what I found out. So I, I, in my notes now, I have 18 pages. We're not going to read through all that, but that's how much I, I found going back many, many years. Uh, as I was thinking about this, um, Paul says in Second Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Actually, that's probably not a good translation. That's King James, New King James. It actually, um, in the pure word, Brian, it says comprehensions. Uh, we're not ignorant of his comprehensions, of his understandings, of his minds, of his thoughts, which may be a better uh, way of looking at it. And what we do not understand is what the enemy understands because he's been in this business for a long time and, of course, is aware of the dimensions and the realities of what's going on. And uh, mirrors seem to be one of the complexities that uh, we are just starting to understand and uh, the way that this takes place in the spiritual world. Now, when I originally uh, saw Purse's word, I I called and I said, "Well, I know a little bit about mirrors." And Brian, we shared. I shared with her what we had discovered um, in the gates, doors, and the corridor, and the mirror in the at the end. So, you want to talk a little bit about that first? Sure. 
So when we look at some passages in the Bible, we can see that gates and doors are both mentioned. And so, for instance, let's bring up Isaiah 22 to give a quick introduction about what we're talking about here. And then I'll tell you about the structure we've learned that God sets up for us. So if I start, for instance, with Isaiah 22:22, then it says there in English Standard, and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. And I will fasten him like a peg in a secure place, and he will become a throne of honor to his father's house. When we see that discussion about keys, then we're looking at, at Jesus Christ having all the keys, which we also understand from Revelation. Now, when we look also at Isaiah 45, for instance, if we start at verse 2 in Isaiah 45, I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break into pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. That's talking then about Jesus or God taking care of these obstacles that are in our way or structures that the enemy may have set up that block us from accessing blessings. We look at verse 1, and it says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him, and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him, that gates may not be closed. And then it continues with what I just read. What we've learned is a ministry tool is to essentially set a person down and God will set up a supernatural corridor laid out in the room where we're at. Then through discernment, which would be God's use of all of our senses, God will show us doors on each side of these corridors. Sometimes the doors are evil or contaminated. Sometimes they're godly. Sometimes they're open or closed. And we can also then through discernment, ask God to show us what's beyond those doors. Sometimes, for instance, there's an evil door that's open and it's allowing curses and iniquity to come in. Other times there's doors that are evil that are closed and they're blocking the godly gifts, sometimes even entire kingdoms worth of wonderful godly gifts and blessings that have been blocked. What we see then is this is a way to explore the generational line for the individual praying for. Now, oftentimes, then what we discern at the end of this corridor is a mirror. And we find sometimes that mirror is reflecting back at the person. And then, Dad, this is where I would like to just confirm with you. What we're finding is that when this is corrected, then the person is able to see that they're standing face to face with Jesus. Exactly. In fact, when we ask the Lord to take down the mirror, then we can step behind the mirror and we are in the realm of I am. So we are actually face-to-face in eternity with the Father. Excellent. So then just to reiterate or recircle back, what we're finding is because Jesus has all the keys, and then we also have these promises in the Bible that what Jesus opens stays open and then what he shuts stays shut, we're learning that this mechanism of asking God to set up this corridor then we can then explore the supernatural in this way. And we're finding that moving, helping others move into more freedom through that process. Okay. So now we want to expand this a little bit more. Um, Today, for the first time, I realized that I could discern mirrors and the mirrors were walls. 
And walls then separate um, parts of us from other parts of us. Also, walls can separate us from the Lord. And as I started exploring this because of Persis' word, I found in reality there are two verses that give us clarity about that there is not just a ungodly mirror, but there also is a godly mirror. So first of all, we have 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 9 and 10. This is all a very familiar passage with, with you, with us. In fact, we'll go 9 through 12. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then what that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I came, became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. And that word dimly uh, takes us back to what mirrors were in Corinth. Uh, Corinth was actually very famous for mirrors, but they were metal mirrors. And uh, if you were not very wealthy, then the mirrors were not very good. And so you would see a distorted view of yourself. So that's 1 Corinthians 13. We are seeing in a mirror uh, dimly, but then we are supposed to see face-to-face, which takes us to 2 Corinthians 3.18. And this is a very important passage about uh, the glory of God, referring back to what happened to Moses, who, when he was on Mount Sinai, he started reflecting the glory of God. He came down, and his face actually was shooting beams of light. And uh, we start a little bit earlier in that passage, verse 11, chapter 3 of Second Corinthians. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, and we get an insight here about why he really put the veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So uh, the shine on Moses' face was dissipating and getting less and less. And then verse 13 is, verse 14 says, but their minds were blinded for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God. So here's a righteous view. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So actually that could be translated from glory to ever-increasing glory. So we have this tension here between looking in false mirrors uh, and then looking into the mirror which is the mirror of the Lord. And 
what happens is that when we have these false mirrors uh, around us and in the dimensional places, then we have a wrong perception of ourselves and we actually are looking at skews, a skewed view of our reality. Uh, our friend Jenna Green has this word often, this phrase, she, and the phrase is your perception has positioned you, which means that you really don't have a right perception of who you are or what's going on and a right perception of the Lord. So that perception has positioned you to go into um, feelings and realities that are not true. Several years ago, one night, the Lord gave me four words. It was very, very strange. Uh, and, and these four words were like um, bouncing around in my mind and in my sleep and my dreams all night. And the four words are lack, want, need, and expect. And I woke up and I started pondering that and I realized that really our reality, our perception of reality, often are skewed by what those four, four words explain. We believe that we lack. We believe that we want something. We believe that we need and we, we expect. So we have these expectations. Uh, they may be expectations of relationships, expectations of events. Uh, we have expectations, for example, of Thanksgiving and Christmas, expectations about our birthday. Um, and all these, uh, these have skewed our, our perceptions. And actually, these could be called mirrors. Uh, we have the mirror of lack, the mirror of want, the mirror of need, and the mirror of expect. And as Janice said, this per these perceptions that are skewed because of these feelings that we have position us, and then our emotions follow, and then maybe even relationships are affected by those um, Four skewed views. On, on July the 11th, four years ago. So what I do is I, I write down all my dreams, and I have often made dreams in a month, or, uh, or many words that are given either in schools or in discernment training or in academies. And then what I do is I do a, a search for them. And I found this dream from July the 11th, 2015, that's four years ago, and I was really astonished. So I was in Cranbrook, British Columbia, and I had a dream of a professor quoting someone saying, and this is what he said, that the mirror of our reality is more complicated than what is in our three dimensions. I thought, Oh my goodness, that is the dream of all those mirrors when I had a dream of Donna and the, the babies being healed. So let me repeat that again. This professor is saying, so this is actually advanced education in a university or a college. The mirror of our reality is more complicated than what is in 
are three dimensions. And I think that is what we are beginning to look at and to understand. A couple observations. First of all, when you first started, you were talking about how we can't really know what the enemy actually understands. And the first thing that crossed my mind was, fortunately, God knows what he understands. And I think it's really important for us not to get overwhelmed, perhaps by a tinted mirror, that there's nothing we can do because the enemy is so well-informed. When in reality, if we just do what we see the Father doing, we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, then he surprises, I think, not only us, but the enemy oftentimes with revelatory understanding and strategies that the enemy is just caught blindsided. You know, no. we, we can never understand how all of this goes because God's ways are so mysterious. But when we are really following the Spirit, he uses us in ways that if we could really see them, I think would astonish all of us. So I believe that is true. Thought. The other is the thing that's coming to my mind as you're talking about the mirrors and the dim mirrors and the skewed mirrors is just the old picture of, you know, a carnival and a fun house at a carnival where you look in the mirror and you're either super fat or super thin or whatever. And I think it goes... There's a skewed perception. Yeah, skewed perception. And I think that it goes even deeper than we're talking about in terms of who we are in Christ. And one of the enemy's one of the biggest tricks is that he's convinced us that we're no big deal and that we <sighs> are not the revealed sons of God. And if that one doesn't work, then he messes up our perception of the reality of God's loving kindness and his enduring love for us. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as we minister to people, uh, it is so hard sometimes because if I've lived with a certain perception for perhaps decades, it's hard to believe that there can be a, a different way of viewing things. I, I've shared this illustration many times. When I was 16, my mom took me to get new glasses. I didn't know I needed glasses. Uh, I didn't know I had any problems with my sight. But when I got the, my glasses, I was stunned that I couldn't walk. And I can remember I was working at uh, a boys' camp as a junior counselor in Vista, California. And I remember getting out of the car, and I looked up, and I never had realized that trees had leaves. For me, I, all I saw was like a cartoon view of a tree. It was all blurry and uh, without any defined image. And I remember I sat down to eat, and I even had trouble uh, moving my fork and my uh, spoon to my mouth because my perception had been so skewed for so long that I had to adjust to a new reality. Now, the point I'm trying to make is for 16 years, I thought, my reality was true until I got glasses and I realized that really it was a different reality that was true. And for us that are in prayer ministry and we pray for people, many times 
it's very difficult for us to move from only viewing the mirrors that are the enemy's walls and skewing of the correct perception to viewing God, which then is the right perception. And to make that tr transition is never as fast as it is when one gets new glasses. That it takes a long time to realize that I really do not have a correct view of what God's reality is. For me, this is underscoring a topic that I feel dovetails with everything you're saying. And Barbara, I feel this builds on what you pointed out, how God reveals what the enemy has been doing. I wonder how often that is the case and people attribute it as an attack. In other words, where people are going along, they're numb in life, they're praying and contending that God will help them. God reveals what the enemy's doing. And then because of discernment, they may feel or see or experience something. And then instead of saying to God, okay, God, I see this. What do we do about it together? They attribute it to an attack and then move into more fear instead of thanking God that he's actually moving in this and bringing us a possible solution. I agree. And Brian, this really dovetails into the very first word I found. Uh, on the mirrors, which is the correct view. So the first word the Lord gave us on a mirror that I found in my notes was a word given in uh, March of 2009. Let me read this to you. It is the new sound. It's in the symbolism, the symbols, the symbols, the, the symbols, C-Y-M-B-A-L-S, the symbols, S-Y-M-B-O-L-S, the symbolisms. All of creation speaks of my glory. All creation speaks of my glory, my glory, my glory, my glory. It is for me, it is the inside, outside, outside, upside down world. The high priest and the prophets learn from what I show them. Learn from how they hear. Look and see. Say, so Luke knows that. Look and see. Stop and listen. Listen to me. It will be the scene leading the scene. The hearing, listening, and hearing, hearing my voice, hearing my voice. The spirit is free. I give freely, abundantly more. How much more will you let come? Expand, expand, expand. My glory, my glory. Me through you, me through you, me through you. The reflection of the bride through my eyes, the song of the bride. The song of the bride, hear her sing, the music, the tones, the symbol, the symphonies, the symbols. Listen for the symbols, the symbols, C-Y-M-B-A-L-S. Hear my people, see my people, and here it is. The mere reflection of me, of me, of me, clearly, 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 clear picture, clear reflection, eyes to see eyes to see clearly and the reality is that the enemy has totally distorted the view of god and we've been through this many times that god is good and his love endures forever and the enemy has convinced us that god is not good that we are not good and that 
uh, our lives are failure, that we're not going to succeed, that there is no hope, that we must remain in fear, that we must remain in dis- depression, that we must remain in despair, and all these other issues that we deal with, uh, that we must remain there and that there is no hope when he wants to see us as created in his image. I like what both of you just said. And I think that fear is is just really a biggie there because the enemy wants us to have that skewed image. And, you know, it's kind of like he's throwing out all these threats, you know, and it kind of takes me back, Brian, to what you were saying that things get revealed in dreams, for example. And the first thing I'll hear from people is I had this terrible, horrible, awful dream, and they're all freaked out because it was so bad. And yet when we go through it, pray through it, it's either really good news or it's a deliverance dream. And God really was revealing a truth so that the person could be set free. I think the enemy just likes to frighten us that he has more power than God does. And that's deception. I think too, Absolutely. The enemy takes advantage of fear. We need to keep something in mind, though. The first two people on the planet ate fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which was not the proper way to know good from evil, right? They could have gone to ask God. We know that they walked with God in the garden. When that serpent did his his, uh, song and dance, they could have gone to God and say, what's up with this thing? Should we trust it? Is it good or evil? But no, they wanted to know for themselves. So we then, as humans, need to understand we are incapable of knowing good from evil from our own ability. So it has to be an open conversation with God, doesn't it, about what's good and what's evil? That's right. Uh, Let me give you one final word. This is also from 2009. So this is 10 years ago. So we've had 10 years of revelation that now I am investigating because a friend of mine gave me a word. Incidentally, I want to comment that we at Aziz Place are in this in unity with other people. I absolutely cannot do this by myself. I certainly need Brian. I certainly need Barbara. But I need many of, of the people that are that love us. I, I, I do. Because... Uh, Sometimes it's one word or one insight that they get that then helps us to move forward, and that's what we're doing right now. So this is Jenna Green, and Jenna had this word August 2009. And she says, turn the star, turn the connections. It is about position. It is about reception. The women who know have overcome Those who don't are still on the run. Opposition is at hand from victimization. The network is unfinished because of discrimination. The mirror holds the answers that reflect to know by sight without neglect. They need to cross over to finish the fight. Flip the mirror, change your sight. So I think she actually indicates the two mirrors. Flip the mirror, change your sight. Identity is in the well for the deep things of him, riches untold from Elohim. It is his loving kindness. 
Bryant and Barb, look at that. We we just really understood this this last year. This is 2009. It is this loving kindness that you overcome. Come up, come up. You are on the run. Have Christ's face, that's again, reflecting in the mirror. Without the veil, that's actually the quote from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Have Christ's face without the veil. They will be they will be of no disgrace. Position the bride. The network will be completed both near and wide. So there you go. So I think this is another part, Brian, to our ongoing discussion about the windows and the mirrors. Absolutely. And we look forward to the next installment. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks, Brian. I have some suggestions on where to go next with all this. One of the amazing aspects, as you know, Barbara, is we'll discover that something that God gave us in a prayer years ago ends up applicable to revelation that we got this morning, for instance. And so I want to share a couple of prayers that would be helpful. But before I do that, I want to pause and share a company with you that we recommend. You'll notice very often when we at Asin's Place are talking about testing revelation and working with the Word of God, which is always our final test of truth as of 66 books, one of the things we've learned to do is to go to the original language. So what we do is we at Asin's Place, and of course many that we work with, use Logos Bible software. And that's from a company called Faith Life. What Logos does is it allows you in one database to cross-reference not only multiple different English translations, but then directly link it word for word to the original Greek and the original Hebrew, and then connects you with a library of so many other books. I find that in the most part, just knowing the literal translations from the original language is invaluable. We've actually partnered with Faith Life. I want to stress Faith Life is not a sponsor of Asm's Place. Rather, we are a partner with them. So if you go to faithlife.com or you can Google Faith Life or Logos Bible Software, when you make a purchase, use the code ASLAN8. And then when you do ASLAN8, then we get a little bit of credit and you get a discount. For instance, they give you a 10% discount for their base package, and then you get five bonus books. So Barbara, we were just talking with dad about the need to make sure we're checking with God for reality, for truth, and that when God reveals something new, that he's act, we're asking God what's going on instead of going from our own understanding or believing the lies from the enemy. And I thought it would be good to bring up two specific prayers about that. And so the first prayer that I want to share with you all from our website, if you'd like to look at this prayer, you can go to aslandsplace.com, type in the word physical into the search box. One of your choices will be prayer of renunciation, physical body. And this is a prayer that when we wrote it, we were asking God to correct the corruption that the enemy had performed against us physically 
but then also about how the enemy has corrupted our understanding. I'd like to read you two sentences from the very middle of the prayer. And it says this, Lord, please now move me from the virtual reality created by the enemy to your reality. Lord, take me out of the prison that I am in and set me free. Remove all deception and denial that makes me believe that my current perception is reality. Lord, bring all programming back to nothing and reformat it so that the programming reflects the image and nature of Jesus Christ. So if you're wondering how to address or potentially deal with what we've been talking about here today, starting with this prayer regarding the physical body would be a good place to start. The other prayer that I thought would be good to bring up today would be the prayer to release one from the ungodly depth. The word depth is used in the Bible. Paul uses it in Ephesians, and he talks about us having an understanding of the height, width, length, and depth. And we actually have one of our books in the Exploring Heavenly Places series is exactly on that, the, those locations. Now, what we find is there are godly and ungodly versions of these supernatural locations. So what are some of the things that occur if we're stuck in the ungodly depth? Well, first, it helps to know that some other synonyms for this would be Sheol, the pit, the snare essentially places of suffering. And we know that we exist more than one place supernaturally. For instance, back to Ephesians, the Bible tells us that we are seated right now with Christ in heavenly places. So that is a fact. Part of us right now is with Jesus ruling and reigning. But we find that while we're still here on earth, parts of us can be stuck in ungodly locations. I need to stress something. This has nothing to do with salvation. When you confess your sins, you give your life over to Jesus, you invite Jesus into your heart, your salvation is secure in that. We're talking about when you're here on earth, we find that there are parts that can be stuck in different places. Some are by God's design. He takes us out to send us um, with him to explore. But we can also have parts that are stuck because of trauma, things of that nature. We cover this in fact, in our first Exploring Heavenly Places book, and Dad's talked about this before. Coming back to this prayer, with the prayer to remove one from the ungodly depth, we go through many situations that we've learned can contribute to parts of us being stuck in these ungodly locations. So then one of the things that happens when we're stuck here is it can be very difficult to experience joy. For instance, your life could be going swimmingly at the moment, no problems, but yet you're not happy. You just can't even experience joy or enjoy seemingly anything. Maybe you're finding that you're not enjoying your children, or you have a new job and things are going great, but you're just not happy. It could be that parts of you are stuck in the ungodly depth. Here's the other thing too. When parts of us are stuck in places like this, we can tend to be more accepting of lies from the enemy because things are already horrible. So it makes sense that things just get worse. And so the enemy tries his lies and then we're more likely to believe them or accept them as true. So I encourage you to look at those two prayers, the prayer of renunciation, physical body, and then the prayer to release one from the ungodly depth 
to find the depth prayers, type in that word depth. You'll also see teachings on our website about that as well. I want to stress too, nothing is always with this. It is God who has the answers for each of us individually, but he then gives us these new levels of understanding first from his word and then from teachings, revelation, or from a prayer to help unfold more and more. But remember, the solution is always God through Jesus Christ. Well, since you brought up height, width, length, and depth, I would really recommend volume nine of our Exploring Heavenly Places series, because we do talk about not only the negative aspects of the dimensional places where the enemy traps us, but also the righteous ones. For example, in the righteous width, hope springs up as opposed to hopelessness. And in the, in the depth, you, you want to go to the deep, God's deep. That's in the deepest depth. And that's where the place of intimacy with God is. And so I think it's really important to understand that it's kind of like a disease, a physical disease, where you have symptoms of, you know, whatever ailment is, is plaguing your body. In the spiritual realm, we have symptoms that indicate we are stuck in ungodly places, whether we have hope or we're hopeless, whether we have joy, like Brian said, or we're depressed, or whether we have fear or whether we have faith. And we do outline a lot of that in that volume. And to be honest, I really didn't understand it that much. For many years, I'd heard Paul talking about it until I literally got all of our notes together and started putting it all in one package, and it just kind of clicked and went together for me. There are some good um, things in the appendices there that will help you identify where you might be stuck. And prayer, a couple of other prayers that Brian didn't mention that will help uh, release you from those places. So I want to share a person online just posted that they do feel that there are parts that they have that are stuck. And so we just posted on the chat another link that's a recommendation, which would be the prayer to retrieve scattered parts. We've recommended three different prayers. So I want to give my, my baseline message about the prayers. All the prayers that we post are not the fix. They are starting points to help you get going in your prayer when you address these topics. I encourage you to prayerfully consider the words and test them against the Bible. And most importantly, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit as you pray. You could even make additions to the prayer, which is quite often, by the way. But again, the prayers are just starting points. Thanks for joining us. The Lion's Den is a production of Aslan's Place Ministry. For more information on Aslan's Place, please visit our website, aslansplace.com. To donate, click the donate button, which is available on the main page. And we hope you'll join us next time in The Lion's Den.